Hi, everyone, and welcome to Consulting with Authority. Uh, this is Scott Cantrell. I'm really, really excited about this podcast. I have a new friend with me, uh, someone that I just met a few weeks ago, but from the first conversation, it was very clear that he needed to be a guest on the podcast. So I'm really, really excited to introduce him uh, to you today and have him share some fantastic insights, not just with you guys, but with me. I've got a blank piece of paper here ready to be filled up with some fantastic notes. Um, he is the founder of coachingforinfluence.com and uh, he's a leadership consultant, leadership coach, um, has just written a brand new book called How to Beat Burnout, which is something that as soon as he told me that, I was like, we got to talk whether you are a podcast guest or not. Uh, so excited to talk with him about some of that today and some of what he's doing with his business model around his coaching and consulting as well. So without any further ado, let me welcome him to the podcast. Stan Ward, thank you for uh, being on today. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. Sure, sure. So um, before we dive, there's a lot of ground to cover. This is probably going to be maybe one of our, our longer interviews, um, but there's a lot of fantastic stuff we could talk about. Maybe we just have to bring you back for a part two at some point in the future, Stan. But um, before we get into some of that, tell everybody a little bit about um, your background, where you came from, uh, how you got into the role as a professional coaching consultant, how Coaching for Influence uh, was born, and maybe a little bit about what you're doing now, who you're serving, how you help people. That sounds good. So essentially, I got into coaching while I was doing a PhD in leadership studies. So as I was coming to the end of that program, a friend of mine who was also in the program pulled me aside and she said, Stan, I think you would make a great coach. Have you ever thought about that? And so she actually helped me get some initial training through the Center for Creative Leadership. Uh, she was nearing retirement with her career, had been an HR vice president in the aerospace industry and uh, really started connecting me with some of the folks that she was connected with. And, and then things went from there. I spent uh, really from like 2011 to 2014 doing the coaching part-time. Mm -hmm. And then in 2014, I was able to launch uh, Influence Coaching LLC. And again, that, the website is coachingforinfluence.com. Unfortunately, Influence Coaching was taken. Uh, but yeah, with that, I was able to launch my LLC and then continue to build the business from there. As far as the folks I work with, I don't work with a particular demographic, meaning uh, it's not one particular industry I work with. I've worked with folks in aerospace, manufacturing, uh, landscape design, entrepreneurs, doctors, uh, as well as sales professionals. It's more of a psychographic that I'm working with. Okay. Folks who care deeply about both relationships and results. And what we know from the research going all the way back to the 1950s is most folks tend to be good with one or the other. Right. And so when you're really focusing on both, it takes a lot of energy, which can lend itself to burnout. And that's why I wrote the burnout book. I actually launched it at the beginning of 2020 in January with no idea of what was ahead of us. Wow. Uh, but essentially I found that the clients I enjoyed working with most were those, again, they they needed to get results, but they also cared about people. Yep. And they were all experiencing some form of burnout that was really hindering them. And so that became the, the mission and the mantra is really helping those kind of leaders or helping people kind of get out of their own way. Um, 
That's really fantastic. And I think, you know, when we talked first, one of the things that, that I let you know, uh, just to be completely transparent, a little bit vulnerable here is that over the last 16 months or so, and, and listen, I have no room to complain. I've been very frankly, just lucky, uh, and blessed to have gone through the pandemic and we're still in the midst of it, uh, as we're recording this, but Knockwood, um, there hasn't been anything other than the world upheaval, uh, and everything that everyone has had to deal with to some extent. Personally, I have been affected greatly um, by the pandemic and certainly nothing like so many have. Yet even still, uh, because of the nature of everything that, that is being dealt with, including the pandemic, but even pandemic aside, right? I mean, being a business owner, being a business leader, um, being a manager in a business, right? Having any kind of uh, career that you care about, that you want to excel in, and help other people that are around you, um, it's very natural, I think, to for that stress that that comes from that to start to create friction and ultimately you'll lead to uh, drain out or burnout. And and this is something that you and I talked quite a bit about, and it's something that I've been experiencing over the last uh, in different measures over the last six to eight months or so. And I feel like I'm kind of coming out of it now because I've got more clarity on the direction I want to go, but. I have no doubt that there's a ton that I can learn. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into the book. I know you've got an audiobook course on how to beat burnout as well. So we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But would you mind kind of just giving us the the ABCs of this process? And, and not to not to overly simplify it because um, I suspect it's not quite as simple as just do this, do this, do this, and you'll feel better um, and you'll be able to beat it. There's There's more to it than that, no doubt. But maybe just in a at a strategic level, because I'm I know I'm not the only one, uh, Stan. Right? I know a lot of people who are listening and watching this have experienced the same thing for different reasons. So let me just ask the uh, the million dollar question: How do you beat burnout? What does that What does that look like? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. And you're in good company. Uh, I was just writing down some statistics earlier. Yeah. So Gallup actually released a survey at the beginning of 2020 that they had done in 2019 that said 76% of uh, full-time workers said they were burned out at least some of the time with their work. And again, this is end of 2019 before 2020. Wow. And then Harvard Business Review recently did a series on burnout. And in that, they released a survey they had done of workers in 2020 89% of those surveys said that their work-life situation was getting worse. So let's put those two together make a story, right? You know, just facts without context or stupid things. Uh, so in context here, you have 70% or 76% of your folks uh, in industry saying they're feeling burned out some of the time before the pandemic arrived. And then that situation got worse for the majority, vast majority of folks, almost 90% of folks. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stress that can lead to burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as how to, how to beat it for yourself, your family, your team, uh, I would say number one, let's distinguish between burnout and worn out. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, or, or drain out another good term, uh, essentially think about car engine. Okay. So when a car engine runs out of gasoline, what happens? It just kind of goes, bum, 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 bum. Just, it just stops running. That's right. Yeah. 
And so in order to get it running again, what do you have to do? Put more gas in. Yeah, yeah. Essentially rest and refuel. Yep. So when people are worn out, they need a season of rest and refueling. Um, and by the way, that worn out piece can be one of the number one predictors for burnout. So it is important to take that seriously. Burnout is something different though. It's something that's really much more damaging. So think about what happens when your car engine runs out of oil. Yeah. The car engine can keep running for a time, but the longer it runs, what's it doing to itself? Yeah. It's, it's, it's creating a lot of friction. It's overheating. It's yeah. Yeah. It's damaging itself until at some point it seizes up and yeah, done. Right. Right. That's what burnout is. We know from research going all the way back to the 1980s that burnout is a, a, really a measure of three different dimensions. The first of which is emotional exhaustion, which we could call overload. Um, and again, if it's just that that we're experiencing rest, refuel, reset, that will help tremendously. Yep. And, and you're good. The second dimension is depersonalization, which you think of as cynicism or a real robot-like experience in your work. Mm -hmm. uh, disconnects, what I describe it as, being disconnected from people, being disconnected from purpose. Wow. And then the third dimension that we can measure is a sense of ineffectiveness, right? And so if it's just one of those dimensions then the response is going to be different than when it's all three of those dimensions. When all three of those are high, then we're really in a true burnout situation. And we know the longer that goes, it really is more and more damaging to the individual. So we've got to take it seriously. Wow. Um, well, so, uh, I was been taking notes here, uh, trying to keep up with you. And what I had not considered, right. When I think of burnout, uh, and I, and I don't know if I'm representative of the world at large or not, but I could speak for myself. When I think of the term burnout, I immediately equate it with I'm stressed out and I need to, need to just get some emotional rest. But what I didn't realize is that there were these three core dimensions of burnout. In other words, it's not just, it's not just a feeling of stress. We actually have to look at the source of the stress and there's not just one primary source of the stress. Right. There are these three large categories or large dimensions of where that issue could come from. And they're all different. You could experience any one independently of the other two. Yes. Yeah. And as far as the, uh, you know, the sources of stress, there's actually a tool called the areas of work life survey, uh, that a person can take. There are six dimensions there that are measured. And that can be a really helpful tool for zeroing in on where you need to start taking action. You think of the three dimensions as sort of an expression of what that stress is doing to you. Okay. That stress is yep. causing the overload and the emotional exhaustion. That stress is causing the disconnect from people, disconnect from purpose, or that stress is causing this just chronic sense of ineffectiveness, the hamster in the wheel. I, I think about a friend of mine who's in law enforcement and uh, he's actually trying to fight human trafficking, right? Which is a, a huge concern. Yeah. Uh, and I asked him how it was going. He said, you know, Stan, I feel like I'm just throwing pebbles at a train, right? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's that ineffectiveness language coming up. Yep. Yep. So to that end, um, I, I, at times in my career, fortunately right now, I'm not suffering from all three. Uh, my percent, my self-perception is that, <laughs> um, 
Uh, but in my career, in my time, limited though it may be, in, you know, compared to some, I have experienced all of these. So maybe just take each one in turn or however you think the best describe it and maybe give um, a, a note or strategy on how you help someone or how you might recommend someone work through overload or disconnection or ineffectiveness. Sounds great. So the first thing is, I'm going to say, check your mindset. And what I mean by that is for me, I struggle with this idea of self-care. It just kind of feels selfish. Yeah, right. Uh, I think especially as entrepreneurs, when we're the sort of, uh, use a friend of mine would say the chief cook and bottle washer, uh, all in one, right? Uh, there's this sense of, hey, if I don't do the work, it's not going to get done. Right. Exactly right. So you just got to drive, 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 right? What has helped me over the years is to realize that my self-care is not just about myself. It's about how I show up for the the people I lead. I've, I've been in various leadership roles. Uh, it's how I show up for my family, how I show up for my clients, as well as for myself. So it impacts a host of people. Again, uh, to go back to the car metaphor, a, a car is not selfish to require maintenance. Yeah. And it's excellent. Yeah. Right. It, if you drive your family in that thing, you better take care of it. Yep. That's excellent. So that's the first thing is to really check those assumptions around self-care. And again, self-care is a starting point. It is not the only thing. Self-care is necessary, but not, but not always sufficient for being burnt out because there can be organizational factors. Again, I'm assuming we're talking mostly to entrepreneurs. So uh, most of our stress is about things that we're choosing and doing versus, uh, being under a manager who's, who's causing it. That's right. As a rule. Yeah. We're, we are our own manager, uh, whether a good one or a bad one is a question too. Well, yeah, I know again, to that point, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, Gallup material from 2019, I was referring to earlier. I mean, one of their number one conclusions was basically look to managers to solve burnout. It yeah. just were one of the number one causes. So how are you managing yourself? Right. There's your yeah. question. Um, but to those issues of energy relationships and effectiveness. So I, t I tend to think of three core things to work on. In the process I recommend is using small experiments, small experiments for big change. Uh-huh. And I'll be glad, I'll be glad to link a lot of this material in the, the show notes. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. So I describe myself as uh, I, I think we're sub similar age. So do you remember big leak chew the bubble gum? I was just in a store maybe three days ago and it was, uh, like a novelty candy store and right in the front display window was big league chew. I'm right on track with you. Perfect. Yeah. So in my mind, I always think of the cover, the image on the cover of it, right? And this big muscular guy. I always think of the great version. I love great big league chew when I was growing Me up. Me too, man. Absolutely. Okay. I call that guy big league Jimmy. Big league Jimmy's always swinging for the fences, man. Right. He is just wham, doing his thing. Um, so there's a part of me that's big league Jimmy feels the need to always swing for the fences and sometimes I just overdo things, right? You know, my wife says, Hey, I'd like a little more salt on my eggs. And then I serve them to her and she says, J 
just remember, Stan, we can always add more salt. We can't take it away. Right. Because right? I big league jimmied it. We joke about this all the time. <laughs> uh, years ago, I had health issues that were related to stress. That's a whole other story we could get into later if you want. Um, and as part of that healing process, I began doing Tai Chi. So I'm doing Tai Chi the first week with a lot of great, you know, 60, 70, 80 year old people. And I basically injure myself from overdoing Tai Chi. Nobody, nobody injures themselves doing Tai Chi, right? <laughs> big league, big league Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So small experiments help make sure big league Jimmy doesn't take over. Right. Yeah. And it, effectively what you're doing is you're, it, you're saying, okay, here's the change I want to create or the direction I want to go in. You take a small focused action that you think will help you get closer to that goal. And the focus of the experiment is not so much whether the action succeeds or fails, but what are you learning by taking the action? Gotcha. So that does a couple of things for us. Number one, uh, it, it calms big league Jimmy down. And then number two, it calms down a lot of anxiety that can go through any kind of change process. Yeah. Because the focus is not on success or failure. It's on what am I learning? Okay. How can I apply it to take the next step forward? Uh, that's excellent. And because you're not assigning success or failure to that action, it, and I'm just saying what you said a different way, um, because you're not assigning the need for success or failure with the given action, it makes getting started with that action easy to do. I don't have to fear taking the action because I don't have to fear whatever the outcome is, success or failure. Um, yeah, that's huge. Yes. And so it can even help with that ineffectiveness piece, right? Because sure. Right. Because ineffectiveness is usually just a la- some type of lack of action stemmed out of fear, at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Or even how we measure our successes. Right. So with that, uh, you know, again, on the, the energy piece, small experiments around how to rest and refuel with the, the disconnect, small experiments related to how am I connecting with people, right? So small relational experiments, uh, in my coaching work, I do a lot of ma- work around conflict management. We can help with that space. That's often part of what's going on there with that burnout uh, or small experiments about reconnecting to the stuff that really matters with, to you. Gotcha. Right. Um, I know for myself launching the business. Uh, it's been really helpful to double down on purposeful work. What is, what is it that I really want to do? What's the change I want to see in the world that helps me feel purposeful and can help fight, uh, some of that feeling of robot, like going through the motions, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then on the ineffectiveness piece, the biggest thing I advocate for is small, small experiments around how you measure success. Let me give me another illustration of this. And this is another one of those big league Jimmy stories. So I compare myself to a pole vaulter okay. who as, as I'm going up, I'm about to go over the bar. I look at it. I think, well, gosh, if I can get over this bar, the challenge must not be hard enough. So I'm going to hold on to the pole with one hand. I'm going to grab the bar with the other hand, raise the bar up and get over it somehow. I'm laughing because I'm like, Hey, he's describing me if I was a pole vaulter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of us that are in that entrepreneurial space, 
that's how we work. That's how we drive. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that the first piece to that then is having an awareness of making life or business harder than we need it to be just because we think we can or should for some reason. And then the second part of that is small experiments to just take that awareness now and, and take that awareness and not do that. Right. Just accept the fact, like you said, redefine how we, uh, how we think of success, right? Isn't it, isn't success. It, the goal of the pole vault to use the metaphor is to get over the bar. The rules don't say you have to do it with one hand, da, 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 da. Follow the rules to get over the bar. That is success. But yet so often we're just changing the rules arbitrarily, trying to, trying to make life harder. Do you think is the, uh, and, and maybe this is a question for a different time, but why, why, what is your perception as to why we do that as entrepreneurs? Is it, is it so that we have an excuse sometimes, right? Oh, well. I tried to do too much, so it's okay that I failed, or I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid I'm not going to get over the bar, so I'm going to tie one hand behind my back so when I don't get over the bar, I have a justification for why I didn't achieve the goal. What's your perception of why that's happening? Because it seems like, um, I mean, you know, I'm forgetting that we have a rest of our audience here listening in on this conversation. I'm, I'm getting a special session here, but what's your perception on that? That is a good question. And I think some of it's going to depend on the personality of the entrepreneur. Uh, one thing I do tend to see with entrepreneurs is there is that drive for success. There's a desire to maximize. We're always talking about maximizing results, optimizing things. Scott, maximizing and not optimizing is a bottomless pit. Right. There's always more. Right. Always more you could have done. And so I think part of this is we get in this fight or flight state around these issues. And then we, we, we hyper focus on maximizing, optimizing, and there's always more we could have done. Yeah. And so no matter what we accomplish, it's never enough. To that end, I'm reminded of, um, a statement that a business mentor of mine makes consistently. And, uh, and it sounds like this goes right in alignment with what you're, you're talking about. And that is a uh, done is better than perfect or good enough is good enough or whatever your variant of that is. It doesn't mean we don't strive for excellence, but what it does mean is we could always try to be faster or like you said, maximize or optimize. But then the question has to be, but at what cost? Right. What, what kind of stress or friction or challenges are we creating for ourselves by trying to be faster, better, stronger, whatever it may be? Yeah. Two questions, right? How much energy am I giving this? Right. And how much energy is it worth? Do the math. Tell us where you're at. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Um, we could stop the podcast. We're not going to, uh, cause we still have some time, uh, but we could stop right now. And this, this, uh, maybe not the best use of terms with the car metaphor, uh, Stan, but this crash course on how to beat burnout is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I know it's going to help so many people who are watching and listening to this present company included. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think a lot of people, their entrepreneurs do genuinely 
They, they go in that space because relationships are important to them as well as results, right? They're trying to solve problems in the world. And so we need more entrepreneurs. And, and I want to go back to this because your whole philosophy around what you do, right? Coaching for influence and in all aspects, whether it's leadership or this burnout issue or anything else, you, you always come back to this philosophical theme. It's one of the things that resonated with me when we first spoke relationships and results. I work with people who care about both and, and want to achieve both. Um, but so often society, uh, the nature of what we do tend to put those things at odds or the perception is those things have to be at odds, even though, you know, I think at our core level, our humanistic level, we know better, right? I think in our, most people humanistically, I think I, I believe this, I can't always make it work in the real life, but I believe the better relationships we have, the better results we're going to have. And, and hopefully the better results we have, the better relationships we're going to have. Um, maybe talk, talk to that core philosophical principle and how you think about it. Um, and this, this societal perception that you, you could have one or the other, you can't have both. Yeah. So two things are coming to mind. One is, I think this goes back to success metrics. Okay. If you're only measuring the numbers. Yeah. It's going to get really easy to lose focus on results. Yeah. You get what you measure. Yeah. So part of this, again, is a mindset shift. And a lot of this work is, and it's the ability to say, okay, how can I measure the things that I really want? And okay. so if you really want results as, or excuse me, if you really want relationships as well as results, how can you measure some of that? How can you keep track of the impact there? Right. What are some processes you can put in place? Just like you have processes to help you uh, market product, just like you have processes to uh, help keep track of your numbers. What are some processes you can put in place that can help you with relationships? Right. So that's one thing. And the second thing that's coming to mind is, again, this goes back to research going all the way back to the 1950s. One of the things we know about folks that come up in leadership or management is essentially you get your first promotions, your first successes from technical skills, which is just ability to get stuff done. Right. Right. Your productivity. The later challenges as you move up in an organization or as you take on more leadership responsibilities as an entrepreneur, the later challenges come from relational issues, relational challenges, and conceptual challenges. Understood. What happens is under stress, we double down on the things that helped us previously. So under stress, we double down on that just pure productivity drive rather than focusing on, okay, what are the relationships I need to put energy into here? What are the thinking patterns that I've got to change because they're not serving me? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for it, indulging my desire to kind of dive into, um, you know, kind of the content part of what you do. Um, I, it's, a, you know, value in every interview. This one, I think is going to be unique in the sense that there's tremendous value, both in the intellectual property side of what you do. And now I want to shift to talking a little bit about your business model as a coach and as a consultant, because I think there's, there's tremendous value there too. So thank you for, again, indulging on the content side and being so generous with, with sharing that. Um, from a business standpoint, 
you mentioned that coachingforinfluence.com or, or the, the LLC company that you started was launched in 2014. So uh, you've had time to, to build the business and mature the business, still relatively young compared to, you know, behemoth consulting practices. You, you are, you are, uh, you know, an ancestor in terms of the, the, uh, for my business, it's a basically a year old. So, um, I've been coaching and consulting for a long time as you have, but just started the, the fur relatively recently. Um, talk a little bit about how you grew that practice, how in, and from a business development standpoint, because so many of our listeners, and it's a common question. I know you'll, you hear it as well. How can we, how can we grow our practice? How can we get more opportunities to help people? How can we get more opportunities to fulfill this purpose that we want to, to fulfill? So when you first got started, obviously you had a, a, a very successful career previously, and there may be some networking connections that you were able to leverage, but talk a little about how that firm was, was built and how you grew it over the last several years. Yeah. So, um, this was something I had wanted to move into for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my ideal life is, or at least career wise is a mix of coaching, uh, teaching, writing, consulting. Yeah, that's great. So, um, like I said, I started doing so this in 2011 as a, a side hustle. In 2013, I got connected with an organization where the owner was really intentional about emotional intelligence issues. He saw some value in the intellectual properties that I had. This was the time I'd finished my PhD. So he, you know, I was a leadership, uh, professor, leadership professor, uh, uh, and some things that he valued. I provided some initial services for some of his top managers and he said, I mean, I, I want my whole organization to build experiences. That's great. So suddenly, and I had the opportunity to go from working with just two or three folks to working with an entire organization. And so that, and, and it was a, an agreement for a year. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I can, it's time to take the lead. That's great. Yeah. So I'm a cautious person by nature. Um, I, I waited till I could see the demand to be enough to support me for a time. Sure. And then I could justify taking the job. So, right. Number, the number one thing I would recommend to anybody that's trying to have a sustainable consulting or coaching practice is connect with organizations. Got it. You know, to the extent that you're able to serve multiple organizations that have lots of people coming through that would need your service at different times. Uh, again, the organization I connected with had, there was a lot of longevity there on their leadership team, but they were always bringing in, they were always bringing up new talent. So there was always an opportunity to work with new talent. I like this note that you're sharing a lot. Um, you know, uh, a lot of us in the space, right. Understand the importance of, of, you know, our, our target markets, our organizations in and of themselves. However, one thing that we may not be as intentional or strategic, uh, about related to that is once you're in that organization, where can you go within that organization? Right. Uh, because there are usually multiple opportunities within one client experience, not always, but, but more often than not, in my experience, there is, and you could think about 
wherever you're starting within that organization, can you go up the chain? Can you go down the chain and then lateral, right? For a horizontal throughout the organization. And it's it, depending on what you do and, and, and the type of engagements that you have, um, there are often multiple opportunities within a singular organization. So you may have a, a, a three month or six month long engagement with a given individual or set of individuals within an organization. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, there's 20 other people that you need to work with, or there's these three other departments that we could use your talents in or your skills in. And now all of a sudden the three, six months becomes possibly three or six years of work that can be done over a period of time. So that's what you're speaking to then is, is this, this tentacled approach, uh, in terms of identifying the organizations that could support that and then making sure you're building the relationships within the organization to actually facilitate that. Yes. And that goes back to the whole, both holding both relationships and results. Um, right. For me, one of my success metrics is, although, yeah, I want to pay my bills. That's not the only thing I measure. Right. I'm also very intentional about the relationships I have in the organizations I serve. So for me, I, I'm trying to create long-term relationships with organizations. Doesn't mean I'm going to have a massive contract with each one of these organizations, but I do want to connect with organizations and serve them for years. I love it. I love it. So how, how do you then, uh, you talked a little bit about this, but this is a great application of this within an organization as you're monitoring and measuring the relationship side of your business. How do you, are you quantifying that in some way? Are you making sure that you are talking to X number of people that you don't know? Or are you making sure that the people you do know you're consistently talking to with a set frequency? How do you, how do you, I guess, systematize that part of your, your process to make sure those relationships are properly cultivated? Yeah. So a couple things. Uh, one is I am intentional about reaching back out, reconnecting with the, the clients that I serve. So making sure I'm having some lunches and I just enjoy these people. I mean, that's the other thing that, right, dude, I am so spoiled. I mean, I really am. I get to work with people I like, but people have shared values. Uh, I, it's a tax write-off when I take them to lunch. <laughs> right. I wasn't able to take, bring it out to lunch before. And, and, and call it a business expense. Right. Right. Um, you know, Christmas gifts, I can give these folks, uh, fun things that I know they need. Right. I, uh, this last one, this or organization I do majority of my work for, uh, you know, they're general managers. i I bought them spa coupons, uh, at a place that has done some therapeutic massage for, for both me and my wife. We've had some different, both had car accidents that have Mm. costs and different things. And so I was like, man, you gotta go, you gotta go to this place. They'll take great care of you. That's, that was a hit, you know, now bet. Yeah. Um, and again, what's the motivation, all that it, it is about serving these clients, building relationships and not just the transaction. In other words, it's not just a transactional relationship. I'm trying to build transformational relationships. Yes. Yes. And, and, and how do you measure that? Okay. Well, um, through the conversations you have as the things that they care about and they're working on change and develop. And you speak to that as the conversation goes from just talking about an employee to talking about their family. Uh, those are all data points that are indicating that something's happening here. Right. 
and, and eventually, again, I'm very spoiled. It, it, I've had some of these general managers come to me and say, Hey, I like how you did this. I now have this idea that I want you to do. You, I liked how you did A. I want you to go do B now. Right. And what you do is for the larger group, try this training. Let's just see what happens. I just want to try it. Yep. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what, what a deal. <laughs> um, so that has been for me transformational and has removed a lot of anxieties to, to trust, um, that there is more work out there that the work can keep coming my way. No guarantees about how much there's going to be, but by just continuing the relationship that helps make sure there's going to be some work there. Yep. Yep. I think this, 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 I'll say singular, even though it's a dual focus, the singular focus on results and relationships, right. Um, and understanding how they support one another, but making sure that you're not, uh, myopic in terms of one or the other, right? Because I've also seen, you know, we talked about the results one and that's where most, uh, entrepreneurs come down is, uh, you know, I'm trying to generate revenue. I'm trying to get these results, these, 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 uh, transactional or numerical quantifiable results for my client. And that's the results I'm trying to get in their myopic in terms of the relationship. And maybe they do get great results. Maybe they get a great testimonial, but they're missing out on not only the, the referral opportunities and the additional work and the, the opportunity cost of, of other ways they can serve a given client. They're also missing out on something that I could just hear in your voice, which is the joy of it all, right? They're missing out on the fun of what they're trying to do. Um, and so, you know, uh, I'm saying this out loud, uh, also trying to, to stick it in my brain too, so that I, um, will be more attentive to both results and relationship. I think it's great. Um, it also goes to that pacing piece, uh, as you keep track of some different success metrics, right. You know, there are, there are days when I have done enough, uh, essential billable work by new, you know, I think I'll take a nap after lunch, right? <laughs> and that's how you avoid that helps with that whole burnout. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it goes back to, back to what you were talking about earlier. Um, Let's look at your business model because you're doing something that, that I'm a huge proponent of and fan of and, and something that I'm starting to develop in my own firm, although I, it's not created yet, something that I recommend to others and have helped others build in the past. And that is as a coach, as a consultant, you have intellectual property and the goal is to leverage the knowledge and skill and expertise that you have to help others get the kinds of results that they want and build the relationships along the way. You have started taking this online into the form of um, uh, properties in the form of courses in the form of content that can be consumed, but someone doesn't necessarily have to work directly with Stan to get value from your knowledge and your expertise. Can you talk about um, that that pillar of your business, that that division of your business, and how you're, you know, how you how you created it, how you're leveraging it, and then how that's actually creating more opportunities to work, you know, for, for prospective clients to work directly with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I had known for a long time is that I needed to come up with some sort of passive income strategy. Sure. One of the things I've known for a long time is that not everyone can afford to work with me one-on-one at the, the rates that I need to want to charge and need to charge in order to hit my goals. Right. 
So what do you do with that? Because there's a lot of people that I want to help. Uh, so that was part of the reason that I wrote the How to Beat Burnout book was there's a lot of nonprofits that I have a real heart for, and I can give all those leaders a copy of the book, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it also allows me then to create trainings based on the book. Right. And then to this idea of courses, you know, remember if, if, if I'm trying to reach multiple levels in an organization, the organization can't afford to invest in frontline managers the same way they can their CEO, COO, vice presidents. Right. Yep. So I've taken these concepts and breaking them. I've broken them out into some courses. And by doing that, then, um, so it's one of the models is essentially I've got a course on how to transform conflict into collaboration. That's usually part of the larger coaching program I do with folks one-on-one, -on -one, but it's just one piece of that larger program. Mm -hmm. I've taken that content, turned it into a workbook that folks can do on their own time and, uh, added the assessment that I use with my coaching clients and then added a live coaching session to the package. So folks get a, uh, sort of a taste of the kind of work that I do. They do get some real value and benefit because they go through the workbook, they watch the videos. So they're really internalized concepts and they get live feedback from me in this one-to-one -one follow up session after they've completed the course. And it's much more cost effective, right? Or again, for that frontline manager who needs this information. That's fantastic. So you're able to be in more than one place at a time. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you're talking about the, when we talked about the book earlier, right? So right. writing the book, then recording an MP3 version of the book, using that then to launch an audio book course where each chapter is a lesson and there's a quiz at the end of it. There are some additional bonus materials, the videos, interviews I've had like this one for folks. Uh, they get a certificate of completion. So doing the things that make, they sort of coursify it. Right. Uh, but it's essentially, it just, it's the audiobook with some coursification, if you will. And then I'm able to price that at an audiobook price. Right. It's, it's just a good deal. And again, these are, this is a new, new space for me as far as actually getting it all launched. I've been working on it for several months, mm -hmm. but the initial feedback I've gotten is really positive. Uh, folks like this, this audiobook course format that's very cool I, I like format too because i think it's uh first of all uh because of podcasts and audible and you know the consumption of audiobooks is skyrocketing now which i think is great because it gives people uh in our world of multitasking right it, it allows us to actually consume content and information while we're doing something else um Sometimes for better, for worse, but, but I will put your lawn and be burnout. Sure. Exactly. And that's, that's a deal, right? That's a deal. Um, so, uh, I think that's, that's fantastic. And I, I really like that model. Now you built, uh, just to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. You, you're, you currently using the platform called Thinkific mm -hmm. and your experience so far, although it's relatively new, has been good. I know there's other platforms out there. So this is not a commercial for Thinkific, just letting you know. Uh, everybody who's watching or listening to this, how, you know, when you go to his website and you see these courses and hopefully you invest in them as I would recommend you do, um, so you can experience them, uh, you'll see how neat and clean and professional it all looks. Um, and you built that on the Thinkific platform. So I, I just, I can imagine how, um, not, you know, 
most co coaches and consultants have content that they've developed that could be coursified in some way. And that gives them the opportunity to be at multiple places at the same time, or it gives them the opportunity to make a sale to a large group of people without having to serve each individual one-on-one. -on -one. They can, like you said, they can serve the upper echelon one-on-one -on -one and provide everyone else the, the course. And it just creates a lot of flexibility in terms of allowing an individual or an organization to engage with you initially. Um, the other thing I think that if you could speak to that you're doing is you're actually create, you, you mentioned it, but you can speak to this from a business development standpoint, you're integrating one-on-one um, -on -one consultations into these courses so that you can actually engage with each of these clients. Um, of course, with the purpose of serving them and bringing value, but I would assume also with the possibility that if there is a chemistry there, if there's a need and a desire there where they could work with you one-on-one, -on -one, you're identifying those opportunities in that way. Exactly. Uh, you know, this is essentially part of the sales pipeline as well to, to right. write in those terms, but in purely transactional terms. Sure. Um, and so this is an opportunity to say, Hey, if, if you liked this content, if you want more and you want faster results, let's talk about what a one-to-one -one coaching relationship could look like. The other thing for me too, is I've realized one-to-one -one coaching is where I really get my joy. So although I do some trainings, mm -hmm. I do some group work, uh, I really push for the one-to-one -one just because for me, that's been my sweet spot. Uh, if a folk, if, if your, your listeners are, uh, trying to kind of find their way in this space, I would encourage them to look at group models, to look at team models, because again, it, it's a way to impact more people at a price point that a lot more organizations I suspect will be open to. Uh, plus the hourly return for you is, is an entrepreneur is going to be better. Right. I just, for whatever reason, I just really like, I mean, even this podcast experience, I just like the one-on-one -on -one conversation and, and feel like for whatever reason, the, the cloth I am cut from, this is where the magic happens. Well, I'll affirm that, uh, just from, just from our previous conversation and this one as well. Um. Thank you for sort of pulling back the curtain there, kind of giving us an uh, overview of what that side of your business looks like. Because I think that's definitely something that can be adopted and adapted by everyone that's listening and watching. As we wrap up here, and you've been very generous with your time, so I really appreciate that, Stan. As we wrap up, last couple of questions. Um, one is one that I ask generally, and um, I may, I'm really fascinated to hear your response after everything we've talked about today from from. A, a life existence standpoint or from a business career standpoint, top one or two lessons learned that you might share with, with the group. I'm, I mean, and I'm sure there are dozens of, of worthy lessons, but uh, maybe one or two that sort of strike you that, that uh, you'd like to share. Well, yeah, to kind of bring it full circle. One, if you feel like they're starting to burn out, pay attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. Take action. Um, yeah, we didn't get into some of the health issues I've dealt with over the years of stress related, some things like that. But, uh, and even in some, some career spots where I, where I was continually feeling exhausted, disengaged and ineffective. Um, and it, uh, again, because I'm conservative by nature, I think I let myself go longer than I necessarily had to in that space. Gotcha. So, you know, one pay attention to that too. And, uh, 
one of the things that's also given me a lot of peace in my business, and I'm going to, I'm going to provide some links again for your, for listeners and viewers, but I use the, uh, oh gosh, a profit first system to help me kind of manage my money. Once I started doing that, that took a lot of stress off as well. I had a much better sense of what I needed to, to do as far as what numbers for I needed for income and taxes and just the sustainability of my business, how much money to put back into the business and what I could afford, what I can't afford. Um, so that's big. And, uh, and then three, yeah, in, in pursuit of whatever it is you're doing, whatever problem you're trying to solve, the people you're trying to serve, don't lose touch with those things that mean the most to you because it's really easy to do. And again, that's part of that burnout piece. So I encourage folks, and this is advice I got from a counselor years ago, uh, but do something every day that's meaningful, do something that's necessary, do something that's fun. And when you do all three of those, things go well. Awesome. Do something, I want to get those right again, or get those written down here. Do something that's meaningful, do something that's necessary, do something that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty productive day. It's a good day that way. Yeah, it's a good day. Um, listen, Stan, I, I sincerely appreciate your time. Uh, again, your generosity, both with what you shared here and then your willingness to share some links with everybody in the show notes. We'll make sure that those get uh, incorporated into, into that. Uh, if people want to engage with you, if they want to find out more about you, if they want to find out more about uh, coachingforinfluence.com, kind of gave away the punchline there. Where should they go? How, how can they find you? How can they engage with you? Yeah, I would encourage them to start at one of two places. Uh, I do have a personal website, stanleyjward.com. And that's just some general information about me. It has a contact form and then links to a lot of my different projects. Because yeah, I do coaching, writing, mm-hmm. teaching, professoring, just a lot of different things. And then as far as the coaching side, uh, coachingforinfluence.com. Once they go there, it, and Stanley J. Ward also, they'll be able to find links to the online courses we've mentioned today as well as just general information about what I do. I've got a blog there that I would encourage folks to follow as well as a, currently I have a free PDF on leadership and burnout in the workplace. I would encourage folks to uh, That's phenomenal. I appreciate it. Well, again, uh, we'll probably have to do a sequel uh, to this interview at some point in the future, Stan, if you're open to it. But thank you so much for your time. And I'll look forward to diving into my notes. And, and I've taken about three pages here. Uh, as plus all the resources that you've made available. Again, thank you. My pleasure, Scott. And yeah, I'd love to talk more. Sounds good. Be well, Stan. And for Consulting with Authority, wishing uh, I'd like to wish you guys the best of success as always. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.